0: FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is September 3rd, 2021, and our first story. The latest jobs report is out, and boy, is it bad news. Some 500,000 jobs missed. They only added 235,000 positions off of 10.1 million job openings. Sorry, the Biden plan is not working. We're seeing inflation and now predictions of a global economic collapse. In our next story, Pfizer says you're going to need to take your vaccines to fight COVID and twice daily pills. That's right. Two years, two shots a booster every five months, and your daily COVID pills to slow the spread. And in our last story, the Washington Nationals have fired their employees who refuse to get vaccinated. There's a big question around what's going on in Texas with abortion and New York with vaccine mandates. And the satanic temple has intervened saying that restricting abortion violates bodily autonomy. Where are they on vaccine mandates? If you like this show, please give us a good review and share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. The latest jobs report is out, and it is stunningly bad. Jobs report disappoints. Only 235,000 positions added versus expectations of 720,000, nearly half. A million down from expectations. And you know why this matters? It matters because Joe Biden told us his plan was working back on August 6th when they said nearly one million jobs have been added to the economy. And you know what they conveniently left out of all of this was the record 10.1 million job openings in June people are resigning. The economy is not doing well. Inflation is getting worse. And now we're hearing certain experts, whether you trust experts or not, say this could be as bad as the inflation from the 60s to the 70s. And oh boy, I hope you're ready. The Biden plan isn't working. we got a crisis on the southern border. We've got mass migration over a million, 1.2 million, I think, apprehended. A stunning, crushing defeat in Afghanistan The economy is just not good, along with all these other crises which play into it. Not to mention a massive labor shortage that is so bad, my friends, that McDonald's has turned to hiring 14 year olds. Okay. I don't think it's that bad that kids will get side jobs. They won't work too many hours and they'll make some cash for themselves, maybe teach them some responsibility. But certainly, we've got a massive labor shortage. The Biden plan has failed, it's not working. And you're seeing clever numbers spin in the press to make you think things are going well. Yet somehow, somehow, Democrat voters think the economy is good. It's shocking to me. It's blindness because we even have CNBC issuing these warnings saying things are not going well. So long as we have a large portion of the country around half. Believing things that are fundamentally false because their tribal leaders told them to believe it. We are not going to pull out of this tailspin. And that's what's worrying to me. The food shortages affecting basically everything. They got food shortages in the UK as well. I went to the store a month ago and I was looking for cream for my coffee. Now, OK, I get it. They got the, the, the fake hydrogenated oil stuff and whatever that flavored sugar water stuff is. No, I want regular cream. They didn't have it. And I said, yeah, you know, sometimes this happens, right? And I came back a week later, and they didn't have it. Came back a couple weeks later, and they didn't have it. And I was like, they don't got cream? You know, what's up with that? And I was told there's a lot of things they don't have right now. You go to Starbucks, they don't got stuff. Taco Bell, they don't got stuff. I've covered the food shortages, which are hitting many local markets, mom and pop shops, but are being overlooked. You ended the fact we a major hurricane just slam into the eastern seaboard, devastating homes, shutting down roads. Yo, We cannot afford to have a bad economy. Yet, what are we hearing now? Now they're saying twice daily pills to fight COVID along with your vaccine, you know, got to slow the spread even more, got to have these vax mandates. Businesses in New York are saying that their profits are down 25% because of these mandates. It seems to me that the policies of Joe Biden, the Democratic Party are out of sync with reality because Democratic voters think the economy is good and they're going to keep voting for our own destruction. So what do we do? I don't know, my friends. I am not a seer nor prophet, nor do I have all the answers. I can simply point out the hypocrisy from Joe Biden and the Democratic Party trying to make you believe that everything's going great when it's not. And certainly this is the responsibility of Joe Biden as the president. Perhaps if he was focused on, I don't know, securing our borders and bringing back manufacturing instead of building a border on Tajikistan, we could potentially solve the problems we face before us. Perhaps if Joe Biden didn't come out and lie to the American people about the state of the economy, many Democrats would recognize the problems, at least the, at the very least, the economy is having a problem, and maybe we could work together to solve it. But so long as the culture war persists, there will be people voting against our own interests. Let's take a look at what's going on and leading to all this economic tumult what might happen and what you need to know as we move forward, because my friends, inflation is a coming. And we'll start with this jobs report and what it means. And I'm going to give you some context as per last month, where Joe Biden claimed the Biden plan is working. No, the Biden plan is failing. And I got the data to back it up. Before we get started, head over to Timcast.com, become a member and you'll get access to exclusive members only segments from the Timcast Arrow podcast, as well as other content we're preparing to launch very soon. Plus, you'll be supporting our journalists, One of the stories we'll be covering today, U.S. auto sales continue to decline. Hey, it's almost like the economy is not doing that well, right? But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Let's read the first disappointing jobs report from CNBC. They say job creation for August was a huge disappointment with the economy adding just 235,000 positions, the Labor Department reported Friday, economists surveyed. Dow Jones had been looking for 720,000 new hires. The unemployment rate dropped to 5.2 from 5.4 in line with estimates. Okay, well, that's good news, I guess. August's total, the worst since January, comes with heightened fears of the pandemic and the impact that rising COVID cases could have on what has been a mostly robust recovery. The weak report could cloud policy for the Federal Reserve which is weighing whether to pull back on some of the massive stimulus that has been adding since the outbreak in early 2020. Quote, the labor market recovery hit the brakes this month with a dramatic showdown in all industries, said Daniel, Daniel Zhao, senior economist at Jobsite Glassdoor. Ultimately, the Delta variant wave is a harsh reminder that the pandemic is still in the driver's seat and it controls our economic future. Leisure and hospitality jobs which had been the primary driver of overall gains at 350,000 per month for the past six months, stalled in August as the unemployment rate in the industry ticked higher to 9.1%. Instead, professional and business services led with 74,000 new positions. Other gainers included transportation and warehousing, private education and manufacturing and other services, which each each posted gains of 37,000. Retail lost 29,000 with the bulk coming from food and beverage stores, which saw a decrease of 23,000. Quote, the weaker employment activity is likely both a demand and supply story. Companies paused hiring in the face of weaker demand and uncertainty about the future. Well, workers withdrew due to health concerns, Bank of America economist Joseph Song said in a note to clients. But I don't think that actually covers everything. I mean, look, we are about to see the end of the unemployment benefits. So this is going to rock the system. Maybe Joe Biden will get tremendous news. Everybody came back to work. Maybe. I think it's a strong possibility, so that's potentially good news. The economy will kick back into high gear, and then we can see things you know, start up again. But then we have the eviction moratorium. It's going to be really hard for people to get work if they don't have a place to live. But people weren't paying rent, and I wonder how many people were being responsible, saving money. Maybe they weren't. We have millions of evictions underway, so it's hard to know exactly where this whole economic thing will end up, good or bad. I would actually estimate, and I hate to be the pessimist here, bad. I don't see a reason for things to recover. People who end up losing their unemployment benefits, in my opinion, are more likely to just start demanding more unemployment benefits or be considered not to be in the labor force, plus the evictions. They say Delta is the story of this report, said Marvin Lowe, global macro strategist for State Street. It's going to be a bumpy recovery in the jobs market and one that pushes back against a more optimistic narrative. The, the month saw an increase of about 400,000 in those who said they couldn't work for pandemic related reasons pushing the total up to 5.6 million. Today's jobs report reflects a major pullback in, in, in empl- employment growth, likely due to the rising impact of the Delta variant. And I'll tell you this. I know people who have quit jobs over the vaccine mandates and who have quit jobs over the mask requirements and COVID restrictions because they didn't want to work in those conditions. And I, I, I hear it from the left all the time. These, uh, you know, the, the establishment left, the Democrats about... What's the problem with wearing a mask? Calm down. Stop crying. And I always say, like, you know, for me, I don't really care. Like I go to the store, I'll put a mask on, whatever. You know, it's like if I have to walk in if, if, if they, they demand it or I can just go to a store that doesn't demand it. But it's not that big a deal to walk into a store and walk out. But a lot of people pointed out something else. What about the workers? They got to go in for eight plus hours and they got to wear the mask the whole time. And they find it uncomfortable. I don't care what your opinion is. I really, really don't. You know why? All that matters is Is the pressure of the masks and the vaccine mandates enough to force to push someone into quitting? That's it. If you say stop being a baby and just wear the mask, that's not going to change the fact that someone's going to be like, Meh, I quit, because I've already heard those stories. Many people I've talked to, you know, friends. It's anecdotal, absolutely, but they're just like, I didn't want to do that. You know, I'd rather just not work. I guess couldn't deal with the restrictions. And we just heard the story of uh, I think the Washington Nationals fired their employees who refused to get the vaccine. Now we have police, firefighters, EMS, many different unions and employees saying they will not get vaccinated. They would rather quit. I don't see why the economy would do better. Now, of course, my friends, Joe Biden's job is, to be fair, partly to inspire and try and boost morale. So, of course, we saw this on August 6th. The Biden plan is working, President says, after a strong jobs report. So here's what they do. They say, here's our estimate of what the jobs are going to be. And then when it's what they expected or better, everyone cheers. And when it's what they didn't expect, it's bad. But. Why should I take your estimates at face value anyway? And that includes the bad reports and the good reports. But of course, Biden's saying this simply because he's trying to, I don't know, keep a positive mood. I'm not a fan. I don't believe lying to people serves any good. But their concern is if we come out and see the economy's bad, it'll make the economy worse because it'll create a self-fulfilling prophecy. People will start selling assets and then yeah, we don't want to do that. Just come out, and tell them it's good. Here's what Biden said. Here's the story. President Joe Biden on Friday described the U.S. economy as on the right track thanks to his policies, but still facing challenges after a monthly jobs report topped expectations. While we doubtlessly will have ups and downs along the way as we continue to battle the Delta surge of COVID, what is indisputable now is this. The Biden plan is working. The Biden plan produces results, and the Biden plan is moving the country forward, the president said in a brief speech at the White House. The July employment report shows the U.S. created 943,000 jobs last month beating forecasts for 845,000 and signaling that the economy withstood the latest assault from the coronavirus arising from the highly contagious Delta variant. Isn't it amazing the contrast one month makes? They said, despite Delta, things are going better than ever. Now they're like, because of Delta, things are worse than ever. Let me tell you the reality of last month when Joe Biden said things were better than ever. The AP reported. On August 9th, three days later, U.S. job openings hit a record 10.1 million in June. Sure, you can come out and brag, look at all the people we got. Look at all the people we got working. What about all the job openings people ain't working? What about the great resignation? 41% expect to leave their job or move to a different job. That's going to rock multiple industries, the entire economy. On August 9th, just less than a month ago, The AP said, U.S. employers posted a record 10.1 million job openings in June. Another sign that the job market and economy are bouncing back briskly from last year's coronavirus shutdowns. Job openings rose from 9.5 million in May, the Labor Department reported Monday. Employers hired 6.7 million workers in June, up from 6 million in May. The gap between openings and hiring suggests that firms are scrambling to find workers. Lingering health fears, difficulty getting childcare, at a time when many schools are closed and expen- expanded, federal jobless aid may have kept some unemployed, um, unemployed Americans from seeking work. Now, doesn't that sound like tremendous news? Just good news across the board, they say, that it shows the economy is bouncing back. 10 million job openings. That means that firms are scrambling to find workers. It means everything's coming back to life. And then we come back to today that they only added 235,000 hires. So what happened to that uh, 9.7 million job openings? You see the point? Last month, they claimed it was great. They hired so many people. What they didn't tell you is even though they did, job openings were increasing. That doesn't just mean that a business arbitrarily went, we're going to hire more people. It also meant that businesses saw their staff quit. It's called the great resignation. So that means Many people left their jobs and didn't take new ones or maybe just change jobs. And it means that of that 10 million job openings, they only added 235,000. Talk about getting punched in the stomach. So we have all of these businesses scrambling to find workers and they can't find any. Does it sound like the plan is working? Look, I don't want to be pessimistic. There are certain fields that are flourishing, certain businesses are doing well, and you can find good in you know light in the darkness. But to act like these numbers on their own are indicative of some great you know re-emer- reemergence and revival of the economy is just not true. To be fair, forecasts are forecasts. Who knows? But you'd think we'd see a better recovery. They said last month, but despite Delta, the economy's roaring back. And this month, they say because of Delta. Okay. Let me show you practical application, practical application. McDonald's. Yes, I know it's pronounced McDonald's. I'm joking. McDonald's in Oregon begins hiring 14-year-olds as desperate businesses across the country turn to teens amid dire labor shortage. You know, I have no problem with 14-year-olds having jobs. I think what they're supposed to do is like limit it to like 16 hours a week or something. I'm for that. What I'm not for is like children in factories covered in soot and oil and grease and getting their fingers, you know, getting injured and things like that. No, no, no. But, you know, working is good. I, 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 it's, it's funny that when you say something like, children should have jobs, the left freaks out because they immediately make the assumption you're talking about factories. No, I'm talking about a paperboy route, which is totally fine and normal. I'm talking about making them milkshakes and those McFlurries, assuming the ice cream machine isn't broken. I think that's fine. But I think here we can see something bad is happening. McDonald's didn't normally have to do this, and I don't even know if they can legally hire 14-year-olds. The Daily Mail reports, businesses across the country are turning to teens as young as 14 to cope with a dire labor shortage, with one McDonald's in Oregon drawing attention with a huge banner touting the new policy. Now hiring 14 and 15-year-olds. My friends, can I just make my point now? If Democrats are arguing it's wrong for children to work, and they're arguing the economy is good, And businesses are now so desperate to find people to work, they're trying to get kids to do it. When McDonald's says we want to hire children, do we not say, hey, by your standard left, the economy is not doing too well? You know, I love, 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 love this metric right here from civics. How would you rate the condition of the national economy right now? Okay, well, taking into consideration everybody, you have 34% saying fairly good. 30% saying fairly bad, 25% saying very bad, 5% saying very good. That means 55% believe the economy is bad, and you have 39% believing the economy is good. Now, the plurality alone is that it's fairly good. But of course, we need only separate by politics to see why that is. You see, 56% of Democrats think the economy is good. How? How is that possible? (laughs) Do you read the news? No, but Joe Biden said the plan was working, so I'll just roll with it. How about that? 20% of Democrats say fairly bad. 7% say very bad and 8% say very good. But 56% say the economy is fairly good. Have y'all lost the plot? Among Republicans, we have this metric. 40% very bad, 40% fairly bad, 15% fairly good, 2% very good, meaning 80% of Republicans believe that the economy is not good. The net good among Republicans is minus 63%. Now, here's my favorite, independent voters, because independent voters, man, they matter for 2022. 32, fairly bad, 30, very bad, 28, fairly good. 55% 55% of independent voters believe the economy is bad. Now, I don't know where y'all work, independent voters, where you think the economy's going good right now, but I urge you to simply read the news. When McDonald's starts trying to hire 14-year-olds, I don't think that's indicative of a good economy. A good economy is when you have jobs all filled. They don't need to hire children and people are getting paid well and business is a booming, and more jobs are created and people are, everyone's laughing, they're cracking the wine. Businesses facing food shortages, labor shortages, rising prices, expensive mayonnaise. Remember that story, Mayo Gate? And being like, please, 14 year olds, we're so desperate. I don't think that's indicative of something good. Although I suppose someone could try to make the argument that the economy is going so well for McDonald's. That there's no one left to hire. So the only thing they can do in order to expand is hire children. I really don't think that's the case. I think the case is that people aren't working. That we added only 235,000 positions out of 10.1 million job openings. (laughs) Things are going bad. Oh, here we go. Rent inflation is about to surge forth and it won't stop two Fed economists say. Let's talk about the tsunami. Heading our way, my friends, the eviction moratorium is over. It was illegal to begin with. Joe Biden illegally tried to extend it. I don't think it matters. Evictions are coming, but something else is going to happen. With inflation, here's what you need to understand. When you have um, food prices are going up, like they are, these, these restaurants, because they're desperate to hire people, so they're paying more and more. Uh, for instance, Papa John came on the Tim Castile podcast, said he knew a couple people. He knew somebody running a pizza shop, and they had to pay 35 bucks an hour to get someone to make the pizza. Substantially higher than normally pay. Well, the left cheers for that, saying, well, good. Pay them a living wage. Nobody wanted to work. So they said, okay, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, $25, $35 bucks an hour, which is double $15. So, pe- so salaries are being more than doubled. Now the pizza guy says, we're going to raise the price on pizzas, all right? Now a pizza that maybe, if, maybe costs you five bucks to make, you've just more than doubled your labor costs, now costs you 10 or 15. Your profit margins shrink. The amount of money you make for your business goes down. You can make a hard choice. So you probably raise the prices on pizza a little bit. Volume maybe makes up for it. And there's not a direct correlation between the rise of labor costs and the rise of the product because the owner has some discretion in removing some of his own wages. But sure enough, the food prices go up. All of a sudden, there's a carpenter, a contractor, and uh, he wants to take his kid out for dinner, his family. But the pizza costs, you know, 10, 20% more. The mayonnaise is through the roof. That nearly doubled in some areas. So then he's like, I can't afford this anymore. So he goes to the buildings where he works, where he's maybe, you know, working on repairing something. And he says to the building owner, look, you know, the normal rate's not going to cut it. Prices have gone up too much and I need to get paid more. And the landlord says, well, how much do you want to get paid? I need about 10% more to cover the cost of rising food in this city. And then the landlord says, I can't raise rent by 10% to cover the costs of that, this. And they say, well, I don't know what to tell you. What do you get? Slumlords, you get uh, a, a tsunami in the economy. Landlords cannot Just raise the rent on their tenants. Nor should they be able to, but therein lies the problem. What are they going to do to cover the cost of maintenance and utilities when inflation causes everything to go up, but they're rent controlled and they can't just go up? You see, a pizza can change prices overnight. Rent, you got to wait for that lease to expire. And some places don't even allow you to raise rent by a certain number. They say, oh, it's rent controlled, you can only increase it by X percent per year, inflation. Then they say inflation's actually only 5.4% when we just saw food go up by 10, gas by 20. And you're like, yo, that doesn't make sense. Well, you know, automobiles are not doing, you know, are cheaper. Yeah, they're cheaper because nobody's buying them. And that's the hit, right? That's the problem. How can the buildings be maintained when the rent can't increase, but the people are demanding more to cover costs that are going up? Not to mention, then you have the, the managers of these buildings they're going to need to raise, too, because the costs go up for them as well. I mean, I guess it's good news for the, the people who rent the apartments, because their wages will increase, and proportional to their income, rent will stay the same. What this may ultimately mean, the left probably cheer for it, is that, well, landlords will get less of a profit cut from their buildings. But landlords aren't all multi-billionaire corporations. Some are just retirees, which is the next hit. 60-year-old Martha and Jack. You know, they have a nice three flat and they rent out two uh, of the uh, you know floors because that's their retirement, because they can't work anymore. They're too old. And so they saved up, bought the building and rent out the two floors. Now they can't afford to maintain the building anymore. They still have a mortgage on the building, you know, to a certain degree. And they're like, hey, guys, we can't maintain the building because rent is now disproportionate based on its value to what the costs are to maintain this building. And what happens to those retirees and what happens to that building? You can't just have the economy shut down and then think everything's going to be fine. Then we get this. Financial Times. Inflation could spark new global financial crisis, says Russia's central bank. Warning highlights countries growing concern over worldwide increases in prices. A surge in public and private sector debt levels during the recovery could cause the global economy to deteriorate drastically and rapidly. If the U.S. Federal Reserve has to jack up interest rates to quell inflation, the Bank of Russia warned in its annual monetary policy forecast. Not that I'm a fan of Russia, nor I trust them, nor do I trust them. The report published on Thursday said that global gross domestic product growth could slow to just 1.1% as higher interest rates prompt investors to dump risky assets. Emerging market countries with high levels of foreign debt would be particularly hurt. Risk premiums will increase significantly. The most indebted countries will struggle to service their debt. And a significant financial crisis will begin in the global economy in the first quarter of 2023, one comparable to the 2008 2009 crisis, the long period of uncertainty and protracted recovery, the central bank said. The prediction is not the central bank's scenario. This instead foresees a broad economic recovery with inflationary pressures dissipating by the end of this year and is significantly more likely. Then it's alternative scenarios of financial crisis, a worsening pandemic, or rising global inflation. Even so, the warning indicates Russia's growing concern over increasing inflation worldwide, whereas U.S. and European central bank officials have said they consider price increases to be temporary. Russian central bank governor Elvira Nabiulina told the Financial Times in July that growing inflationary pressure in Russia was likely to be a long-term phenomenon. You know, And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. I don't know who to trust these days. Do you trust the U.S. government, the democratic establishment, or do you trust Russia? Wow, scary to think that people trust Russia more. I don't. I really, really don't. I think they got a vested interest in saying that we're going to do bad. But I got to admit, there is something interesting when I'm looking at everything happening and saying, yeah, the economy's not good. And then Russia comes out and says, oh, yeah, hey, you're right. It's not good. And I'm like, well, maybe they're right on this one just because they're they're you know, don't have your interests doesn't mean they're coming out and just saying things are, uh, you know, are, are, are bad to hurt you. Over at CNBC, we have this one. Inflation could repeat the 60s. When the Fed lost control, Niall Ferguson says the Federal Reserve and many economists maintain the recent spike in inflation will be transitory. Yeah, and Joe Biden just hard increased food benefits because probably not. Data releases on the U.S. home prices and consumer inflation expectations may have added to the Fed's concerns. Now, some people are saying it'll be like the 70s. I went around in the 70s. Uh, uh, this guy says it's not going to be like the 70s. You know, it's probably gonna be like, here's what he says. My sense is that we are not heading for the 1970s, but we could be rerunning the late 1960s when famously the Fed chair, uh, Mcchesney Martin, lost control of inflation expectations. His comments come after former IMF chief economist and Harvard professor Kenneth Rogoff suggested in an article this week, the US withdrawal from Afghanistan had added to a list of unsettling parallels between the 2020s and the perfect storm of factors that led to very high inflation in the 1970s. Ferguson suggested that the high inflation of the 70s had its origins in the late 1960s, adding that it was too early to conclude with confidence that the current rise is transitory. (laughs) Basically saying we could be in the late 60s with the, the errors of Vietnam moving into the 70s towards the end of Vietnam and expect the collapse. What did Russia say about this? 2023 could bring about a crisis on par with 2008 and 2009. What is the uh, Niall Ferguson and uh, saying that we could be looking at the late 60s, which led to the high inflation of the 70s? Sounds like Russia's not wrong on this one. There's just a couple of experts, though. I mean, I'm sure you can find all the experts in the world who will say whatever you want to hear. And that is a big challenge. That's why I try to look at the numbers when they say jobs report 235,000 is abysmal compared to 10.1 million openings that just couldn't get filled. they go on to say that data released Tuesday on U.S. home prices and consumer inflation expectations may have added to the Fed's concerns. The S&P Case-Shiller Index, which measures home prices across 20 major cities, rose 19.1% year on year in June, the largest jump in the series' long history going back to 1987. A survey from the conference board showed U.S. consumers now see inflation running at 6.8% for 12 months from now. Whoa, that's up a full percentage point from a year ago or 17.2% on a relative basis. Holy. That is bad, man. That means your milk is going to get expensive. Your cream will go missing just like mine. We ended up finding cream at a different store, mind you. It's going to be harder and harder to come about what you need. You know what I did? I got chickens. Man, we have too many eggs. We've probably got like 30 eggs right now because we got six chickens and a rooster. They lay every day. And they get a lot of their food from foraging, eating bugs and stuff. And now uh, we're, you know, responsible for our own eggs. Don't got to buy them anymore. Not that there's a shortage of eggs that I've noticed, but there is a shortage of chicken. And so we're also go incubating and raising new baby chickens. And we're going to have our own chickens. Some of them shall be spared the blade as they are stars of the Chicken City show we're working on. We're building it out. It's just, I'll tell you, my friends, people have said, Tim, where are the new shows? Where's Chicken City? You know what's going on? We're building a new studio, right? I'm talking to my, my, my guy who's running this stuff and I'm like, can you find more workers? He's like, we can't. We can't find more people to work. And I'm like, I get it. I mean, I talk about this stuff all day, every day. So we're supposed to do Chicken City, you know, months ago. We're supposed to have the live events months ago, but there's no one to do the jobs, so we got a handful of guys, good dudes who are doing the work. I appreciate their help. They're rad, and the studio's coming along beautifully. But that means we can't get Chicken City done because these are the only guys we have willing to work. Isn't that amazing? It's hitting everybody across the board and I'm really worried that if you know, we we're struggling to expand and we are bursting at the seams trying to. A lot of people don't want jobs. A lot of people don't want the jobs that we have openings for. A lot of people want, you know, email me saying they'll take any job possible, but yo we have, a, we have a team of contractors that are local, that are licensed and insured and all that good stuff that are working and they can't find people to, to, to you know fill these roles. We're hiring the people we can hire and we're going as fast as we can in that regard because it takes time to vet and do that stuff too. But when it comes to trying to get people on the ground to do the work, it's just harder and harder and harder. So what do you do? Things are going all right for us down here to a certain extent and that's because we've left these cities. Certainly, I think life is still good. You can still live. You can still do your thing, right? You can still live and eat food and go to the movies and watch movies. We're, our, our standard of, uh, of living has gone down quite a bit. Harder to get some products, but it's not the apocalypse. We can adapt. We don't need to live like kings 24 7, but we shouldn't accept failure and policy resulting in a lower standard of life. We're supposed to make things better for our kids, not worse. If we're going to keep supporting politicians who make things worse, then I think we're doing wrong by the next generations. I don't have all the answers. I never do. I can only tell you from the look of things. McDonald's hiring 14-year-olds, things are not going well. Democrat voters thinking they are? That's a bad, bad sign. It's tribal politics. Nothing to do with reality. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight, 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Don't worry, my friends. Just two years, two shots, a booster every five months, and your twice daily pill to slow the spread. Man, think about how far we have come. It was just about a year and a half ago when they said 15 days to slow the spread, a year and a half. And then they said the vaccines and, you know, we'll get that, we'll get herd immunity and that'll slow the spread. And then we did. And then they said, you know what, we might need booster shots. And now they're saying at eight months and then they were like, actually, it might be five months, but between five and eight months. And now we have this story. Could there be a daily covid pill? What we know about Pfizer drug trial. My understanding is understanding is that it's actually a twice daily pill and one of the uh, uh, top dudes at Pfizer says, well, you're going to need the vaccine and treatments. So get your booster shot every five months. Take your twice daily pills and we can finally slow the spread. I mean, come on. Is it is, is that the, the is that how insane this 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 pandemic is at, that we're at this point? At a certain point, do we just have to accept the reality that the world is either ended completely because it's just getting worse every single day? or take our chances, reopen, protect the vulnerable and say, we're going to carry on. I'll tell you this. It really does feel at this point with a story like this and what we're seeing out of out of uh, uh, Australia, what they did to Candace Owens blocking her testing is that they, they've admitted it. The world ended. That's it. No, literally the world ended. It's over because they say 15 days to slow the spread and they say boosters and they say pills Every single day, no matter what is done, what is accomplished, it's just getting worse and it never ends. And eventually I think people are going to burst. There's one tweet from this guy uh, and, and it's one of the stupidest things I've seen. This guy uh, from the New York Times claiming he went to the hospital for his daughter's fever and the doctor wasn't wearing a mask. So he freaked out and left because the doctor was like, we're all vaccinated. It's okay. It's like, dude, trust your, your, your doctor. No. These people have gone insane. This is why I keep saying, get out of the culture war when you're going to make personal decisions on finance, on legal, medical, because these people have lost the plot. Now I get it. I have people telling me they don't trust their doctors. And I'm like, yo, if you can't trust your doctor, you're in trouble. Imagine if you couldn't trust the fire department. And then they like come to your house during a fire and there's like a fire in the garage and they start spraying down your your living room. You're like, what are you doing? I suppose that's how people feel is, is what's happening. And if that is the case... We are in trouble because the fire is going to keep raging on. I just think people need to find experts they trust. And if there's a lack of that, then you got to work harder to find that person you trust. I'll put it this way. Do you go and watch CNN and, and MSNBC? You don't because you don't trust them. But hey, they're news people too, right? You'll argue, no, they're not. They're terrible at their jobs. Hey, I agree. And there are a lot of people who do go to them. But you come here and you watch Tim cast and you say, Tim's all right, or Tim does a good job. And so you trust me to a certain degree, right? Well, it's the same thing. How many people go to news outlets assuming it's just a good job? Uh, The same is true for you. If you can go to CNN and see an article as garbage, then you're gonna be like, why would I trust this? It's trash. But then you go and find something you do trust the same is true for your medical professional. So when I see a dude from the New York Times being like, my doctor wasn't wearing a mask. I'm like, yeah, he's your doctor. Trust him. Why would, why, why, where are you getting your information from? And so long as these are the people who control whether or not we get banned and whether or not the country turns back on or shuts down. Hey, shout out to the red states that are, that are up and running. COVID cases are dropping in Florida. Well, so long as this is the case, half the country is going to be in a downward spiral of decay. Australia's in flames. Canada's getting worse because those are the people, the crackpot conspiracy theorists who believe fake news and won't trust their own doctors. And they claim it's the right that that doesn't trust their doctors. And I'll tell you this, of course, there's the element of that. But the, the element of the right that doesn't trust doctors and believes in conspiracy theories has no institutional power. And so I really am not concerned with a bunch of people online with opinions I think are wrong. Now, as for the other people on the left with opinions that I think are wrong, they're at the New York Times. They're setting policy in government. Here we go. Here's the story. Could there be a daily COVID pill? What we know about the Pfizer drug trial. Let me just prep you with something from, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is the, uh, that's the New York Times guide. Let me prep you with something. Uh, For those that are listening on the podcast, I was just showing the tweet, but we have Albert Buria. He is the chairman and CEO of Pfizer. Success against COVID-19 will likely require both vaccines and treatments. We're pleased to share. We've started a phase two slash three study of our oral antiviral candidate specifically designed to combat SARS-CoV-2 in non-hospitalized, low-risk adults. It will likely require vaccines and treatments. And with breakthrough cases, rest assured, if you get your vaccine, they will probably then be like, well, you know, you can always take your your twice-daily Pfizer pill. Now, of course, I think what he's really saying is that if you're not hospitalized, the vaccine, uh, well, I'm not going to make assumptions. I can't. I want to believe he's saying you know, people who don't get the vaccine can take the pills, but we know we know what they're saying. They've been saying over and over again, everyone's got to get vaccinated. And then they're going to introduce an antiviral covid pill. OK, I mean, that's fine. Good for you, Pfizer. Pfizer can do their thing. But for the government to mandate this stuff when that when the goalposts keep moving just shows how broken everything is. You know, they're saying, you know, once we get herd immunity, OK, and they're like, well, you know, this is going to require everyone to get vaccinated then it's going to require everyone to get boosters. Now it's going to require everyone make sure you get your pills. Here's the story. On Wednesday, Pfizer announced that its first participant had entered the second of a three phase study of the oral antiviral that's intended to keep people who aren't at risk of developing serious illness after contracting COVID out of the hospital. A similar study for people who are at an increased risk began in July. While the antiviral could mark another milestone in the COVID-19 pandemic, it'll likely be months before it's available to the public. The potential treatment is designed to be administered in 12-hour in increments for five days in people who are symptomatic but not hospitalized. A total of 1,140 participants will be enrolled, and they'll be given either the oral antiviral or a placebo. Now, I actually think this is really, really good news. Look, you get away from the paranoia about uh, 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 you know, needing to constantly be under this medical treatment stuff, this fear and the restrictions, and I can say a few things for one, always your medical choices are between you and your trusted medical professional who should you, you should be consulting with and not from me. You have the right to medical freedom and bodily autonomy, and you ultimately make the choice about what goes in your body. Now, as for the mRNA vaccines, I think they show tremendous promise. If th- this technology uh, and, and a lot of the stuff I've read from Harvard means that we can do uh, some serious good with curing a lot of diseases, not just viral diseases, but the research done on mRNA could potentially uh, change genetic diseases as well, although it's a slightly different version of the—it's a, it's a more pronounced version of mRNA uh, therapies. mRNA vaccination is a little bit different from the therapies. I was reading about this. We talked about it on the IRL, seg- uh, IRL member segment. But uh, I think it's amazing technology. Again, individual choice. But maybe cures for cancer, vaccines for HIV, all that stuff. When we take, when we take a look at this, they're offering antiviral pills. I mean, could this stuff be— as, as readily available or so cheap or cheap enough that we now have a, a therapeutic over the counter that could help treat common colds or other viral infections? I mean, we don't have a cure for the common cold. We always talk about it. Could we be at the point where it's like we now have these medications that just, like, not, I, not, I wouldn't say cure, but a therapeutic for basically any like viral disease? My understanding is that we do have tons of antivirals, they're just more expensive. So I'm saying like, look, I, I, I love the advancement in medical technology. I just don't like the exploitation of a crisis for personal gain from massive multinational, uh, multi-billion-dollar corporations, you know. They say the antiviral is intended to block SARS-CoV-2 from replicating by taking it in conjunction with uh, riton- ritonavir, an anti, uh, antiretroviral agent often used to help treat HIV. The goal is to slow the breakdown of the oral antiviral so that it can remain in the body longer and work continually to combat the virus. Pfizer spokesperson Jerica Pitts told Newsweek, the plan is to have a readout in late 2021 of the results of, of the phase two trial of people who are at increased, increased risk of developing serious illness. Based on that timeline, the readout of the phase two trial for how the oral antiviral works in people who are at low risk could be expected in early 2022. Neither of the studies involve vaccinated individuals, according to Pitts. But Pfizer CEO Albert Borla said that combating the pandemic is likely to include both treatments. Pfizer's vaccine received full approval from the FDA in August, about eight months after the FDA granted its EUA. There's a weird thing happening here with this that I honestly don't think is that big of a deal. Um, Pfizer approved the, the brand community, which they say is interchangeable and identical to the formulation of what's known as the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. that the, They're based, they're the same thing. They've just approved it under a brand name. But for whatever reason, the Pfizer-BioNTech as it exists today is under EUA. And I think that that's probably due to the fact that it can be administered to kids 12 and up, and community is only for 16 and up. So it, it, I guess the, the best way to put it is the, the FDA approval is for 16 and up only. They've retained the emergency use authorization for the vaccine for 12 and up. There's, a, there's an FDA letter saying that they're, they're legally distinct, but identical and interchangeable. I don't know what the exact reason is because I don't think that would affect EUA. I'm not entirely sure. And a lot of people are concerned about it. But uh, I honestly have no, I, I don't see anything there. I just don't understand what, what's the, I, I don't know. If it's FDA approved under the same formulation, whatever, you know, it's, it's the same thing. But again, I mean, you make your own medical decisions. I think you got to figure that out for yourself. Hospitals across the country are seeing disproportionate numbers of unvaccinated people being admitted to the intensive care unit, stretching systems to their limits. In some areas, people arriving at the hospital for any number of ailments have had to wait hours or even days for a bed, are treated in a hallway, or are turned away because the hospital was at capacity. If Pfizer's oral antiviral is successful, it could help reduce the number of people who are hospitalized, thereby alleviating the strains on healthcare systems. Well, therapeutics have the potential to save lives, vaccines are considered key to ending the pandemic. And there it is, my friends. What it ultimately comes down to is that you must get the vaccine and have the pills available if you get sick. Now, let me show, let me show you this tweet from uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin, New York Times columnist, editor and uh, editor and squawk CNBC co-anchor, author Too Big to Fail. Okay. All right. Proud dad. He tweeted, Just brought my child to an urgent care center because she had a fever and I wanted to get her checked out. The doctor nor the nurses wore any masks. Quote, why would we mask if we are vaccinated? The nurse told me I was dumbfounded. I turned around and walked out. Okay. This one's painful for me. Your daughter had a fever and she needed to go to the doctor and because the doctor who is the medical expert for you and your family and knows more than you because you are just a TV man, said it's fine. And you left with your daughter sick. I'm sorry, my friends. These people are not well. Let me show you another example. Candace Owens denied medical treatment at Col- as Colorado Lab cancels COVID test appointment. Tucker Carlson said this doesn't sound like America. I briefly mentioned this story the other day. You may have seen it. Candace Owens wanted to get a test for COVID and the facility turned her away because they said she's wrong and evil and is making the pandemic worse and all that other stuff. Absolutely incredible. They turned Candace Owens away Owens because of her, her politics. Let me show you this tweet here from Bo- Brian Taylor Cohen. Brian Taylor Cohen is a political commentator and makes YouTube videos, host of No Lie with BTC. And he tweets, let's say, how many followers has he got? He's got 430,000 followers. Candace Owens tried to get a COVID test in Aspen, Colorado, but was denied service and received this email. And it's the best thing I've ever read.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com weightloss weight loss.
0: The best thing I've ever already said. I want this all to be over. I want people to be healthy and happy and to live their lives. I want this to end. Brian Taylor Tyler Cohen is happy. That Candace Owens can't get tested for COVID, thus creating a risk vector, potentially increasing the likelihood COVID exists, should she be positive for it, because he's a hate monger. This man hates so much. These people have become such vile and despicable people. They would see COVID persist simply because they hate. That's what is in their hearts. Withered, crumbling husks. Of what was once some semblance of humanity. That's it. Candace Owens, they say, shouldn't be able to get tested because she's a bad person. So you want COVID to spread? Yo, I want this all to be over. And that means I want you, Brian Taylor Cohen, to be very healthy and happy and not spread COVID. And that is true for literally everybody else. I want everybody to be happy, healthy, and I want there to be debate and discussion in these realms. I may disagree with, disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. And I believe that because I'm correct, more often than you, that debate will result in, in my favor. But here are people, it's not even about political debate. It's literally about if you believe that this is, is a very serious crisis and it needs to end, then everyone on the right needs to get vaccinated and they need to go to the doctors for testing to slow the spread and stop it. Not Brian Tyler Cohen and the 21,900 people who retweeted it amazing. They don't care. They would, they, would, they would love to see COVID spread. What are they saying about Joe Rogan? Do you see this stuff? These people are evil. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I know uh, there's a lot of people and you get philosophical. Well, good and evil are subjective. No, 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 my friends, there is evil. It is the banality. It is, it is, it is, it is, there is something called the banality of evil. Why people do the things they do. Marching along with the mindless zombie horde. Evil. I will explain something changed in people. I remember uh, people I know, some of my family members, even back in the day talking. To, oh, no, 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 no. Let me slow down. I was watching 30 Rock, one of the best shows ever made. 30 Rock is one of the funniest shows. It's incredible. Tina Fey, brilliant. And I was watching. I, we, I started re- rewatching the series and I am flabbergasted. That show would never be made today. And I'm 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 listening to what they're saying about it's 2007 what they're saying about Barack Obama and the election and stuff and the jokes they're making about racism there's there's one early episode where Wayne Brady's dating Tina Fey and he says that if she breaks up with him she's racist and she's like that's not true you can't just call everyone racist that's wrong and he's like well I can and I'm gonna and I'm like wow these people in this show Alec Baldwin Tina Fey All of these people, I mean, I don't think they're particular. Alec Baldwin is is, I think he does some woke stuff. I don't know. But I look at these people and the jokes they make and I'm like, you know, what breaks my heart is that we looked up to them. I did. You know, I think uh, Tina Fey's got 15 years on me. And so I'm, you know, I'm in my 20s watching 30 Rock laughing at the points they're making as liberals. Uh, making points about the war being botched. I mean, there's literally an early episode where Tina Fey says we can support the troops, but we can recognize that the war was mismanaged and launched on false pretenses. And I'm like, here, here. And now I take a look at what the left has become. And I'm like, what happened to these people? You know, I, I think it was just them going along with the crowd because they wanted to be cool. They became vile, hateful, destructive, and I'm sorry, it's evil. When they say something like they would prefer Candace Owens not to know her COVID status, potentially making COVID worse, I'm like, okay, these people are not serious people. They're a silly people. They don't care about the, 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 the about lockdowns. They don't care about vaccination. They just want to win. And then you see what happens with Joe Rogan, and you know it. Joe Rogan announced he had COVID. He announced that he took monoclonal antibodies, which is authorized under the EU under an EUA by the FDA. All these acronyms. He announced that he took z and uh, azithromycin, and, um, and also he took ivermectin. And I'm like, yo, I don't, I don't know about any of that stuff. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to comment on whether it's right or wrong. But I can tell you, Joe says he's feeling great. He's feeling fine. And Joe's, I think he's 52. The risk factor increases substantially for those above 40. So Joe is fit. You know, he's, he's, he's an MMA guy. You see the videos of him doing MMA. So he exercises. He works out. So I don't, I don't, you know, he's got no, I don't think he has comorbidities. I don't know what his health, uh, his health is, but he seems fairly healthy. So a lower risk than, than, nor, than f- for those reasons, but a higher risk for his age group. And he's feeling fine. I'm glad to hear it, Joe. Uh, I don't want anybody to be sick. I don't care who you are, left, or right, whatever. I want you to be healthy and happy. And the, and, and the tweets, the vile, disgusting tweets, the news organization saying he took horse dewormer from tractor supply when he didn't. I mean, it's, a, it's insane to imply that the dude's ultra rich. I'm sure he just went to a doctor. Doctor gave him a prescription for a bunch of stuff. Insanity that a doctor could give a prescription. Presumably, I don't, I, Joe did not go to a tractor supply. That would just be absurd. And every media outlet says Joe Rogan announces he's taking ivermectin, a horse dewormer, you know, formulated for cows or whatever and horses. That's what NPR said. A medication formula. It's not formulated for them. He didn't take a formulation for horses. These something happened. What why did they become so evil and and despicable and zombie-like and vile? I have no idea. None whatsoever. I know they existed, you know, there were vile people on the left as vile people on the right, but man is it more pronounced than ever. And maybe it's because, you know, people like Tina Fey, the people who made 30 Rock, either never had principles or don't have the spine to speak up and say, shut up. Dave Chappelle does. Dave Chappelle rags on everybody. And Joe Rogan rags on everybody. That's how I respect them. Dave Chappelle ragged on Candace Owens and insulted her. And I was a little bummed by the very, you know, angry, you know, he's calling her some very serious names in a a comedy sketch he did. But he also told the woke crowd to shove it as well. And I'm like, I can accept that 100%. You do not like, have to like Candace Owens. I just wish people weren't so mean. Like, you want to make jokes, I get it. But to outright just be like, I hate you. I hate you. I'm like, but, but Dave Chappelle rags on everybody and that's respectable. And, and, and Joe and many other comedians, you rag on everyone. I laugh about it. I turn on uh, uh, TV shows and I see a comedian make jokes about white people. And I'm like, that, that, I, I think it's fine. It's funny. You know, if you're making jokes and they'll make jokes about Asian people. And I find that funny too. And, and I'm, I'm here to laugh and have a good time. And just kind of like mock the absurdities of, 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 of you know, humanity and things like that. But something happened to people like uh, Brian T- Tyler Cohen, or perhaps it's that people like Brian Tyler Cohen rose to prominence through being these really nasty, negative people. There's a lot of things I can say about politicians I don't like and the squad. And there's a lot of things I can say about the politicians I voted for, like Donald Trump. Like Donald Trump, is uh, his his comment commentary is vile. And many people I've talked with said they wished he would just stop talking because they liked his policies, but they didn't like who he was as a person. And I've said it over and over again. When Donald Trump mocked the reporter who was body slammed, that was wrong. It's disgusting. When Donald Trump called, you know, Stormy horse face, it's gross. When he makes, you know, jokes about people's appearances and calls them fat and ugly and stupid, it's bad. He was everything wrong with our culture. And I said that years ago, and I'll say it again now. But Trump isn't the president right now. And if you want to criticize everything he does, but you won't criticize these people for being the exact same thing, well, then you're a hypocrite. Maybe you like what Trump does. Maybe you like Trump pushing back and being angry and, and calling people horse face and stupid. All right, then. Are you going to complain about the, the 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 vile, malicious behavior on the left then because they do the same thing? Well, what I hear from the right is it's because the left always did it. And now finally, the right is pushing back. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care who started it. I'm tired of the mudslinging. I will tell you this. I try to find reasons to give credit to AOC or squad members or Joe Biden. I, I, I don't want to just be like they're always bad. And I want to make sure that I'm being fair in my criticism. If I say something is wrong with Democrats, and Republicans do the same thing. You point it out, but they're very different. They are very different. Republicans are feckless. They do nothing. They sit around, complain, and then get nothing done. And then think that appointing judges solves the cultural problems we're facing today. And the Democrats just burn everything down. And there's a small handful of Democrats and Republicans that are actually pretty good. I like the libertarians a little bit more, but they're kind of crazy too. Here's what matters. I uh, sometimes mock people, but as if that's like the, the majority of what I do or I do it every day, I don't. I try not to be insulting, to use name calling. I avoid that stuff. I avoid it very much so. Why? It solves nothing. It makes everything worse. Now, I called people like Brian uh, uh, vile and malicious. That is not to say that they're a stupid doo-doo head or a horse face or anything dumb like that. I'm, I'm, I'm making specific points about their behavior as hateful people who just want to hate. I'm not going to call them names. I'm just going to say they're hate mongers. They're malicious and it's vile behavior. Those are statements of, of my personal opinions on their, those are statements, uh, my opinions on their behavior. I'm not going to come out and say Trump is an ugly moron, you know, but I do call people dumb. Absolutely. The, the, the cultist uh, people. Absolutely. What I mean to say is I'll, I, I try to avoid using people's names directly. I really don't like it when people come on IRL and they're like this specific person I'm going to name. I'm like, I don't like naming people. I don't like starting petty drama. We can get the idea across without saying someone's name specifically creating needless drama. I will call people out when they do things specifically that are bad. But people in general, I wish people would simmer down. But I'll wrap it up with this. Make sure you, uh, uh, you know, two years, two shots, a couple of boosters every, you know, booster every five months, a couple of boosters per year, and your twice daily uh, COVID pills to slow the spread. And um, what, do we, what, what, what can we expect? In six months, they're going to be like, IV drip. Everyone's going to be hooked into the machine. It's never going to end. And I'm just like, dude, I'm going to go into the woods. I'm going to get my van, go down by the river and live my life. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The Washington Nationals have fired their staff members who have refused to get vaccinated. They were told either you get vaccinated by August 26, or you will face the consequences. Is it considered forcing someone to get the vaccine if you tell them they'll be fired unless they do? I think the answer to that is obviously yes. Is it considered forcing someone to undergo a medical procedure, albeit a small one, if they want to go to restaurants or bars or live their life like normal, they must do it? Yes, it is the use of government force on private businesses, telling them what to do and telling the individual you need your ID and you need proof of vaccination. Is it considered force in New York City? When there is no religious or medical exemption. Yes, it is. Now, can people just quit their jobs? Of course they can. No one's holding you down and injecting you with the vaccine. Can people just leave New York City? Yes, of course. No one's showing up to your home in New York and then pinning against the wall and injecting you with a vaccine. However, it's still force. And is it reasonable to expect people to move because, say, their doctor said they couldn't get the vaccine? New York has no religious and no medical exemption. Now I got another question because I want to talk to you about the satanic temple. And um, I, don't have, I, don't, I don't have too much beef with these guys, but uh, I, I, do want, I, I do hope they come out against vaccine mandates because I have some, other, some more questions. Is it considered force when the state says you are not allowed to get an abortion? To an extent, yes, there's an application of force. The government will stop you or you will be penalized in some way if you do this action. There is an application of force. Absolutely. Is it, a, is, it is it a use of force when you say there is a medical exception for abortion? If there's an issue pertaining to the baby's health and the mother's health, there are exemptions. OK, they say that there's an, uh, an exemption for incest. There's an exception for uh, exemption for rape. And you have a six weeks, six week window to perform an abortion or get one for no reason. Is that use of force? Yes, it still is a use of force. You are setting where you will intervene to apply force from the state to prevent a certain action. But let's be real. Could someone just leave Texas? Absolutely. They could. So no one's holding these women down and forcing them to give birth. No one's forcing them to get pregnant in the first place, except for those who are victims of rape, in which case the government does have an exemption in Texas. So here's here's what I'm getting at. Most of you who follow me uh, and many of you who disagree with me know that I am actually pro-choice and I am consistently across the board for a very obvious reason. This is my body. It's all I have. I mean, obviously, I can write on a piece of paper that I own something. But there's one thing that is me. I think, therefore, I am. Now, I certainly think there are obligations. There are are certain restrictions that need to be followed. You can't go kill people. And and that creates a very serious ethical quandary when it comes to the issues of pro-choice versus pro-life. I actually agree with the pro-lifers on so much. So much. Life begins at conception. I think any other argument outside of that is... Uh, is a political manipulation. I think it makes no sense to claim that a single cell or a multicellular uh, organism with unique DNA is not life. I just think that's arbitrary. And in fact, the law in many circumstances considers every stage of a, a human's life from conception onward to be life, particularly when a woman gets attacked and she's pregnant and then the, she loses the pregnancy, the baby dies. They say that you, in many instances, not every state, you can actually be charged with with involuntary manslaughter, murder or whatever. So I agree with the pro levers on that. But here's where I come. Down, here's where it comes down. I imagine a circumstance in which there is a woman and she goes to the doctor and the doctor says, this is bad. You know, you've got a very serious medical issue or the woman is raped and she goes to the doctor and there are exemptions for these in Texas. But now she has to what petition the government, have a meeting with someone, discuss to them why they want to do this, what they went through. And I'm just like. And then what happens when a bureaucrat goes, nope, don't believe you. I'm like, yikes. It's a very serious issue for me because I know that it, it, it means that there are going to be people who abuse the system and use abortion as contraception, which I think is wrong. But I just don't want the government to be empowered in this way. And uh, it's, and I know people disagree with me. We, we had a really, really great discussion the other night. I love having conversations about this. And no matter what happens, no matter how many good points and honest points and good faith arguments are had, I'm just like, I can't let the government sit there and go through my life and my paperwork. I just don't know where that is. It is a classically, um, like, Democrat, traditionally liberal position of what pro choice was supposed to be. But now we have this we have people being fired from their jobs for not getting vaccinated. I think that's wrong within certain reason. This is, this is, there's another issue here because I often try to err on the side of liberty. And that means I think there's a scale in application of regulation as it pertains to the amount of employees a business has and the, the, the type of business, etc. What I've said before is like, if there's like a dude and he's hired a handful of people and he's older and he wants everyone to be vaccinated, I don't want to infringe on some small business, small mom and pop shop. And so I just want to be like, okay, maybe there, to an extent you can, you know, you can do whatever you want. But I also think I'm kind of revising that position because I, have a lot of, I had a lot of good arguments levied against me where they said even a small business shouldn't be allowed to discriminate on the basis of race. And I'm like, that's a good point. Even, even if you are running a small business and hiring one person, you shouldn't, there should be restrictions on, on who you can discriminate against. So now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, there has to be, at the very least, medical and religious exemptions to vaccine mandates. But if you're going to mandate a medical procedure, I still think you've crossed the line because there's bodily autonomy. And if we allow for private businesses of any size, like New York City is mostly small businesses, then we start to get to the point where it may as well be a blanket ban. Because I'll tell you this, I am not uh, uh, so obtuse I don't recognize when there are faults in my arguments. Meaning when I say in New York, it's the small mom and pop shops that are enforcing, enforcing the vaccine mandate that are making it a problem. And then someone says to me, but didn't you say small mom and pop shops pops? Small mom and pop shops should be allowed to have their staff vaccinated. You know what? That's a really good point. I think I was wrong about that. I think now we should recognize that it's the small mom and pop shops that are holding up the system and they shouldn't be allowed to do this. And no business should be allowed to discriminate on the basis of, of, you know, medical choices. It's the same for Texas. It's the same for New York. There is no argument. Yet why do we see this? Why do we see the satanic temple says abortion laws in Texas violate our religious rights and the satanic temple has taken legal action. If Texas judges abide by the Constitution and legal precedent, then those who share our deeply held beliefs will be exempt from the state's inappropriate efforts to restrict access to abortion services. Okay, I think abortion is wrong. What I mean by that is I think arbitrarily deciding to terminate a baby's life in the womb is wrong. I think life begins at conception. I think that too many people use abortion as contraception because they're irresponsible and then terminating life. It makes no sense to do this. It when you made these decisions that led you there. However, as I've already stated, and I don't know what else to say. I can't imagine a scenario where I would be happy going to the government for approval on a medical procedure. And the conundrum that presents me with is that I know people will abuse the system. So I think the real issue, as I've often said, is we need cultural changes. The law can only do so much. You're trying to bring out the hammer when what you need to happen is start teaching children. And that's why I often say we got to teach our kids our values and then make this of safe, legal and rare, right? The Texas law is actually really interesting because it has medical exemptions. It has religious. Uh, I think it, no, no, no. Uh, I think it has medical exemptions. I don't think there's a religious, that's, that's, that's the vaccines. But it also has exemptions for incest and rape, which is shocking to me because I don't think the baby is at fault for those circumstances, you know, incest or rape. But I also think, There's an interesting point being made there in the compromise that pro-life individuals have when it comes to the left's argument. When the left says, you can't force me to do this, and the pro-lifers say, you're right, we can't, we're not going to. If you were put in this position through no fault of your own, you're right, you didn't choose this, and we won't force it to happen. But what they're talking about banning is someone making a choice to engage in intercourse, The woman then getting pregnant and then saying, yeah, well, you know what? I don't want it. So I'm going to terminate. And they're still giving you up to six weeks to terminate. And that's if that's the case. I find it interesting because the left doesn't seem to have any argument or any principles when it comes to vaccine mandates. I can sit here before all of you. I can sit in my show on Timcast IRL with pro-lifers and have have an argument. I had Vosh on and we had Charlie pro-life, me pro-choice, Vosh. I don't know what to call him because I don't think pro-choice is the right word. Charlie and I agree that life begins at conception, but I'm still pro-choice. Vosch said he thinks perhaps some point after birth or at birth. And I'm like, that to me is ridiculous. But we can sit here and have the conversation, right? I can bring up these issues. I can look into the camera and say exactly what I believe, even if people don't want me to say it. So why is it that we don't hear from the satanic temple from these other leftists about the vaccine mandates? And this is what they say to me. No one's forcing you to get the vaccine. Why? No one's forcing me to do it. Are you implying that I could just leave New York? Well, then what's stopping these women from just leaving Texas? You see the point, the problem? This is why I can't stand any of this. Because I have no problem saying pro-choice, even with all of the problems it creates and and the things I don't have answers to, I want the government out of this business when it comes to medical stuff. And that includes vaccine mandates. I can say it and people give me thumbs down, and people give me negative comments, I can say it. Where are you guys at? Now, I'm not saying this is to disrespect the Satanic Temple. No, no. I'm just wondering where they're going to be at. Let me show you something from February. The Satanic Temple sues Texas over abortion regulations. It argues infringe on members' religious beliefs. They say the plaintiff who, according to the lawsuit, lives at least a 1,000 miles from the nearest abortion clinic in Houston, is challenging the state's mandatory sonogram requirement for an abortion, as well as the mandatory 24-hour waiting period following the sonogram. Lucian Greaves, the co-founder and the spokesperson for the Satanic Temple, said the state's regulations interrupt the group's own ritual for women who receive abortions, which he said is akin to a ritualized counseling process aimed at eliminating shame and guilt for the person receiving the procedure. It's something That's an affirmation and meant to make somebody feel comfortable and secure with their decision. Here's the thing I want to point out. They claimed that requiring a sonogram as well as a mandatory 24 hour waiting period violates their bodily autonomy. So how is it not that demanding someone's ID and COVID card is not the same thing? Whether you want to, like, so the left is saying they're, 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 the Texas Taliban, they're calling it, are forcing women to, to they're, they're forced birthers. That's what they say. It's, it's, it's completely fake because you could just leave. You got, you got exemptions and you got six weeks. You just don't like the restrictions. They're arguing that that is force. Yet they would also argue that a mandatory sonogram in a 24-hour waiting period is force as well, forcing women to carry babies. Then what about New York and their vaccine mandates and San Francisco and L.A. and New Orleans. And I think I think Washington state now is trying to implement something. How is that not force? These people are hypocrites. Now, again, I haven't heard a statement from the Satanic Temple, so I don't mean them. But considering the weight they're putting on this and only this issue, I'd like to see a statement made before I criticize them on you know potentially being hypocrites, because they do have some good things on their website. I'll point out. Greaves said the state's laws. Run afoul of two of the Satanic Temple's seven tenets, which include that one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone, and beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world, and one should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's belief. Sounds like the Satanic uh, Temple, which is not a religious organization, which doesn't worship Satan, okay? They don't. They don't. And, and some people call it a troll. Sounds like we agree. We agree. The science should not be distorted, in which case we are often seeking out answers and we don't have the answers. For instance, there are many studies and there's data from certain countries showing ivermectin has uh, has uh, um, helped. The FDA has not approved or authorized ivermectin in any way for treatment in covid. And there are conflicting studies showing that there was no impact. Okay, I want the truth. I am not here to just say, well, Brett Weinstein says something and I'm, I like him, so I'm going to believe him. I'm like, yo, if I see a bunch of studies that conflict, I can't give you an answer. You're allowed to believe what you want. So where is the satanic temple right now on the issue, the most pressing issues of the day? Vaccine mandates. Wouldn't that not violate your bodily autonomy? I have here for you the seven tenets of the satanic temple. They say we believe in reason, empathy, the pursuit of knowledge, and our seven tenets. Okay, I like reason, empathy, and the pursuit of knowledge. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. 100% agree. That's why I'm so just sick of the vile, angry, spitting, and yowling we see from many of these left personalities wishing death on on people like Joe Rogan for COVID and stuff. You know, I'll tell you this. Absolutely, I will say the same thing to the Trump supporters who danced on the grave of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I didn't even dance on the grave of John McCain, the warmonger. And I was like, look.
1: Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: I think there's a certain, th- certain level of respect we can give in death as much as people, they really hate the guy. And I love there was a meme where it was like every, every political quadrant, the authoritarian left and right, the libertarian left and right, were all like, you know, burn and hell McCain. And the centrists were like, you know, rest in peace. And I'm like, yeah, I am kind of a centrist because I recognize that he was a human being and loss of life is bad, even for bad people, even for bad people. I don't believe in the death penalty either. I certainly believe in restricting the power of bad people, shutting them down and stopping these bad things. But I generally uh, think, you know, I I, I don't know. It's tough, right? So there are people on the right who danced on the grave of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I said that was disgusting. And there are people on the right who are mean and nasty and, and attacked for sure. But they don't have institutional authority. They say the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. That is 100% a fact. Just because a law or institution has asserted something to be true doesn't mean it's true. And that's why I am where I am. The college institution, 1619, what the schools are saying, true justice is not through their path of identitarianism and authoritarianism. And when they claim that race should be the, the, the prerequisite consideration for laws, I say that's wrong. It was always wrong. And we ended that. And now they're trying to put it in laws. That's bad. We should struggle for justice in that regard. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. Agreed. Vaccine mandates violate this. Absolutely. And the Texas law also violates this, which is a very serious challenge. Because when it comes to abortion, one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. What about the body of the baby? It's tough, isn't it? The reason I think that we have a problem here is, as I mentioned on the show last night, how do you deal with the rights of an individual with another individual dependent upon it? Now, people pointed out the exemptions in Texas's law, which give six weeks for no reason at all, medical incest and rape exemptions, in which case you could argue that if your will was to engage in intercourse and you become pregnant, your will was to create the dependency, at which case you are now responsible. I am still pro-choice in the capacity that I don't want to sit down with the government. But it does seem like Texas's law is not banning abortion, but creating safe, legal, and rare. In which case, I, I, argue, I wonder what the Satanic argu- uh, uh, Temple's argument actually is in this capacity. If your will was to engage in intercourse, which results in pregnancy, it was your will to do so. Are you arguing that your will changed and thus now the life you've, you've created is to be terminated? Let's read a little bit more. The freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. And there we have the paradox of the Satanic Temple, which I must point out. If you cannot infringe on the freedoms of others, what the Satanic Temple is really saying is that they do not believe life begins at conception. In which case, I do not believe they have a definition of when life does begin. But then there's a question about the Texas law, the heartbeat bill. It doesn't say six weeks. It says heartbeat detected. Texas says here's where we define the beginning of life as a compromise because pro-lifers already believe it's conception. In which case, if there is a being that you through your will created, it now comes to have a heartbeat and now it is dependent upon you based on the will of your will. Can you then change your mind and cause harm to the other? These are tough questions, but I got to say the Texas law, maybe six weeks is is short as too short. But if a heartbeat is where you would define a, a viable life, certainly there's there's a, a, a limit. And for for them to come out and just blindly oppose the law in Texas without consideration or debate. I wonder if they actually believe what they're saying. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fits one's, but fit one's beliefs. I completely agree to that as well. And that's why I say if I see multiple studies like ivermectin that are conflicted and there's no EUA on it, what do you want me to say about it? I can't just blindly agree with Brett Weinstein because I happen to like him better. And he's like, I, I think Brett's a fantastic guy. I think he's a good dude, moral and principled. But why would I just trust him over, over other people? Because I know him. I can't do it. And I agree with this. I don't think they agree with this. People are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. I wish that were the case. I really, really do, because I agree with it. I just don't think we see it. How often has the media issued corrections on fake news? They don't care. Every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. I want to point out, they do not worship Satan. They say, do you worship Satan? No, nor do we believe in the existence of Satan or the supernatural. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't like the word supernatural um, because it's, it's an ignorant way to describe the unknown. If we are men of science, humans of science, men and women of science, certainly we recognize that supernatural is just the idea of things we don't understand or the implication there are things we don't understand, right? If you're going to say there's no Satan, there's no God. Well, my argument is you don't know what you don't know and you don't know and, and you know there are things you don't know. And we, we know we don't know everything about the universe. So these ideas of Satan, God, at the very least, I think agnosticism is the appropriate way to go if you are of science. But, but regardless, I'm, that's just semantics. They don't believe in They don't worship Satan or anything like that. My question is, you know, looking at this stuff. You know, what, what, what do you believe your tenets? After reading now, I got to be honest, after reading these tenets, you know, when I'm producing this segment, I, I had that thought about uh, the Texas abortion bill. It doesn't outright ban abortion. It gives up it gives six weeks for no reason at all. A woman can go and get an abortion. Life is determined at the heartbeat, they say, which is a compromise because conservatives don't agree with that. And the satanic temple says the freedoms of others should be respected. I suppose what they're saying then is they don't consider a fetus of the heartbeat to be a living being. I don't know what else you would call it. And I think that's a lie. In which case, safe, legal, and rare makes sense. The pro-lifers aren't getting what they want. They want an outright ban on abortion. No, no, no opportunity for any abortion. Texas is still offering women six weeks. Now, I I suppose there's a slippery slope argument. They do six weeks and then they eventually start eroding it and eroding it and eroding it and they argue timelines. Okay. Satanic temple. I say only this. I agree with you on so much. Will you come out, speak out against vaccine mandates, which violate the same tenets you so espouse when it comes to abortion? I'm not convinced. I'm not going to hold my breath. But hey, if I see it, I'll believe it. And then you'll have my respect. In regards to what's going on in Texas. If you've got it, they say a woman doesn't even know if she's pregnant in about, until about two weeks into the pregnancy. Then, it, you know, it's, it can be inconclusive. They say maybe it's about a month because they backdate pregnancy. You'll have two weeks. Is that enough time? I don't know. I honestly don't. I haven't dealt with it. Do you? Th- I, 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 the only thing I can say is if it's the heartbeat bill and you're arguing you should be able to get an abortion literally at any time. And that means you, you, you don't care that there's an, there's an exception for rape, medical, or incest, which I think is the appropriate reasons. Actually, I, I don't completely agree with incest or rape, but I understand the freedom argument, so, you know, pro-choice. All you're really saying is you want to be able to use abortion as contraception. How about you use a condom or take birth control, right? I don't understand. I really, really don't understand their argument. The bill doesn't take away... The procedure. Whatever, I suppose. Whatever. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring